Hello, this is Peggy Joyce Ruth. Welcome to our podcast and hope you enjoy this teaching. If you would like to listen to more in-depth teachings, please sign up for our Psalm 91 family at PeggyJoyceRuth.org. Talking about appreciation today, and this is probably a subject that most of us think of as being nice. This is a nice subject. This is something that needs to be talked about, but we don't think of it as being life-changing. And I think when we finish this session today, I think you're going to see it totally different. See, this is a principle in God's kingdom. There's a principle concerning appreciation that can definitely affect the course of our lives. And the more we get into the word and see this, the more we're going to realize what a difference it can make. Now, I need to first make a clarification. I don't think there's a person anywhere that's not appreciative if someone gives them a gift or somebody does something nice for them. You know, it can be anything from a new car to a glass of cold water if you're thirsty. And we've been taught, we've been disciplined and trained that we are appreciative when somebody does something for us. But the Lord really began to open my eyes to see something that I really had not seen in the Word before. Because as I was meditating on this Bible study, I felt like the Lord showed me that a state of continuous appreciation for everything good will do wonders in keeping the door open to blessing and closed to the enemy. And I want you to think about that. The more we stay in a state of continuous appreciation for all the good things that we have around us, the more we're going to keep the door closed to the enemy and open to the blessings of God. Now, can you think of anything for which you're consciously and actively, continuously thankful and appreciative? I want you just to think about the things that you have. There may be a few things that we're really appreciative to the Lord for. But if we're honest, we have to admit that there's things that we have and we've been appreciative for them, but our appreciation and our joy finally comes to a place where it just kind of, we start taking things for granted. And I know that there's been times when we've been given gifts and maybe for the moment we'll be so excited and that excitement may last for days or weeks or maybe even months, depending on the amount of desire that we had for that gift. But appreciation always seems to just sort of have a way of wearing off. We can get new clothes, we can get a new car, we can get a new house. I don't care how big the gift is. There comes a time that we just sort of take that thing for granted. Now... As I thought about that, I thought, well, Lord, you know, that's normal. It's normal for appreciation to finally wear off. Finally, we get used to it. But the Lord began to show me that that's not normal in the kingdom of God. You know, there's going to come a time when we're with the Lord and we're going to be crying holy, holy, holy all day long, every day. It's just going to be coming up out of the midst of us. And I've had people say, well, I don't want to go to heaven because I don't want to stand around saying holy, holy, holy all day. And I've heard people just say, that does not sound like fun to me. Listen, I'm going to promise you, no one's going to be able to turn you off. (laughs) It's going to come up out of you and there's going to be holy, holy, holy coming out of the midst of your being and you're not going to want to stop for anything. You're not going to want to quit that. And so the Lord showed me that there is something inside of a Christian spirit that's an instinctive desire to be continuously appreciative. There's something down on the inside of us. And we have it bound down with the worries and cares and the distractions of this world. We have things that distract us and keep us from being appreciative. But when we get our glorified body, 
there's not going to be anything to hold that appreciation back and it's just going to come flowing out all of the time. But the Lord just spoke to me very clearly and he said, we don't have to wait for that. Why wait for our glorified body? See, we don't have to wait for the sweet by and by for those things that God has made available to us. He said that the kingdom of God has already started. It's in our midst. Now, the world needs to see that quality in us now. The world needs to look at us and see us as Christians and see that we're different and that we do have something different and that there is a joy and there's an excitement and there's an appreciation that's coming up out of the midst of us all the time. Now, being appreciative was a quality that I was always drawn to in Jack. Every single day, he usually has something to tell me that he appreciates about me. And I love that. We all like to be appreciated. Or he'll tell me something he appreciates about the kids or maybe some member of the staff or, or some church member. And every time we pull across the cattle guard before we get up to the house, I know that he's going to tell me something that he appreciates, either the house or one, a piece of his farm equipment or something that he's got that he appreciates God for. And so voicing his appreciation was something that I appreciated. <laughs> you know, it was something that I was drawn to and I loved. Now, if that's something that doesn't come naturally, then we need to start training ourselves because it's in you. There's an appreciation, there's an innate desire to be appreciative down on the inside of each one of us if we're a child of God. And so one way we can start is by making a list. You know, it's amazing when you start writing out a list of all the things that God's done for you. It's amazing what starts happening on the inside. You're going to find that all of a sudden it just starts bubbling on the inside. And that appreciation starts growing. And pretty soon you're just writing as fast as you can write. And before it's over with, you're going to be shouting just to think of what all God's done. So make a list and don't let that list grow cold, but just lovingly and appreciatively go over that list on a regular basis and just read down that list, just telling God how much you appreciate him. You may have something on that list and you may stay on it for five minutes telling God how much you appreciate that thing. And just keep going over that list with the Lord in your prayer time and allow him to know what's in your heart. Allow that to come up out of your mouth. Now, go through the different areas of your life. If you're married, then the first place to start is with that mate. If you're not married, then, then take someone to whom you're close and start naming out loud to God the qualities that you appreciate about that mate. Now, it's so easy when we live with someone. We can love them and appreciate them, but it's so easy to take those things for granted. And it's so easy to fail to voice our appreciation like we did in the beginning. See, you can love someone without being continuously appreciative of that person. And I thought about that for a while, and I thought, no, surely not. But yes, we can. You can love someone and still not voice appreciation like you should. Now, some people tend to think, well, they'd get the big head if I'm always bragging on them. But see, that's not so. See, the more we continually show our appreciation, the more we're going to find that the other person lives up to it. The more Jack tells me how much he appreciates different things about me, the more I want to live up to that because I know some of the things he's voicing, he's just making a good confession. But there's something in that <laughs> that makes me want to live up to that. There's something there that just kind of draws it out of me. 
When I was in high school, there was a popular song that was called We Belong to a Mutual Admiration Society. And it was the story of a young couple who were in love and they were mutually admiring and appreciating each other. Well, you know, that's how it should be. Married couples should truly belong to a mutual admiration society where they admire and appreciate the godly qualities that they see in each other. Now, everybody has a need to be appreciated, and we especially need to be appreciated by the ones to whom we're close. And appreciation now is not just voicing a thank you. Now, that's a good place to start, but we need to realize that appreciation goes a lot deeper than just saying thank you for something. It's meditating on a blessing or meditating on a good trait in your mate until a genuine appreciation begins to evolve. Years ago, we had this pastor friend, and his son was involved in a, a serious accident, and he had been away from the city at the time. And so by the time he got the news and drove back into town and drove to the hospital, he said that they were already there, and his family was there, and he said as he walked down the corridor, he could look down into his son's room, and he saw his son bandaged. He was bandaged all over, and his wife was sitting there reading the word and quoting God's promises. And he said he got so choked up that he couldn't go into the room. And he said he thought about it for a moment and he realized he was not choked up because his son was in bandages. He was choked up over the appreciation that he felt for a wife who would sit there calmly reading God's word and trusting God and taking charge until he could get there. And he said that the appreciation that he felt toward her for that just overwhelmed him. And he said tears just came to his eyes thinking about how much he appreciated that quality. It was as though he knew that his son was going to be okay because of that calm trust that he saw in his wife. Okay, let's take this appreciation over into different areas and let's break it down. Let's just take our salvation. You know, if anyone asked us if we appreciated our salvation, every single one of us would say, oh, thank God, heaven is my home, you know, hell's no, no longer a threat, and oh, yes, I do appreciate my salvation. And we would mean that. But how many times do we actually just stop and meditate on the supreme sacrifice that Jesus made? and get so caught up in the gratitude that we're just overcome with genuine appreciation. When we went to Israel, the leader of our group took us to the place where Christ walked with the cross. And he explained in detail what Christ went through. And as I sat there listening to what he was saying, an appreciation just engulfed me. I just became overwhelmed with an appreciation anew of what Christ had done. Sometimes we're really quick to say, oh yes, I appreciate what Christ did. I appreciate the fact that heaven is my home. But many times we fail to just stop and meditate and appreciate what Christ actually did, what he did for us. And as we stop, and allow that to just overcome. And we need to do that many, many times. Not just once a year or once when we go to Israel. We need to be doing that every day, stopping and allowing the Lord to bring up out of our spirit man that appreciation for what Christ went through. 
You know, Revelation warns us against leaving our first love. And I'm convinced that the reason that we get pulled away from our first love is simply because we neglect to keep our appreciation to God fresh and alive by just meditating on it, meditating and just pondering over the supreme sacrifice that Christ made. Now, that's what's going to keep your appreciation alive. Well, what about our nation? Before September, most everyone would have probably said that they were very disillusioned over the abomination that was going on in our nation and, and how the values had fallen. But you know, a lack of appreciation for our nation now is what causes people to quit standing firm for the right and the truth to prevail. And as, when we're not really appreciating our nation every day, then we kind of stand back and we fail to let that truth come forth. See, it's in appreciation what this nation was founded on that's going to keep us fighting to keep it pure, fighting to keep it what it is. I listened to a prisoner of war several years ago in a chapel service, and he had been out of the POW camp for years and years. But when he started talking about America, the tears started just pouring out of his eyes to the point that the whole front of his shirt was wet by the time he finished speaking. And I saw firsthand now a man who was sincerely and continuously appreciative for his nation. Now, it had been years since he had been in the prisoner of war camp. And yet, every time he talked about America, he was appreciating God all over again for this great land. Now, I pray to God that we don't have to go through what he went through for that appreciation to grow. But the more appreciative we are, the harder we're going to fight to preserve what we have. Now, Peter Marshall, Jr. co-authored a book called The Light and the Glory. And it's an excellent book if you haven't read it. But I want to read you one statement out of that book. He said, the pilgrims did not come to America for freedom of worship. And I remember when I read that, the shock that came over me. The pilgrims did not come to America for freedom of worship. They came because they were convinced that Jesus Christ had called them to found a Christian nation that would put the gospel into practice. That put everything in a whole new light for me. See, I had always thought that they had come for freedom of worship, freedom to worship as they chose to worship. But you know, as I started reading through these journals, I found journal after journal confirming the fact that they believed that God had called them to form a nation where Christian principles would govern this land. It wasn't just a matter of, of coming so that you could worship as you chose to worship. It was a Christian nation for Christian principles to govern the land. And when that came alive in my spirit, I began to appreciate America more than I had ever appreciated it before. I want you to start meditating on the fact that God himself formed and molded a nation where the gospel of Jesus Christ, not just any religion, but the gospel of Jesus Christ could operate fully on every level. I'm talking about from, from the home clear on up into the federal government. And we're privileged to live in that nation. And the more that we continually appreciate the fact that this is not just a nation now where you can worship any way you want to. This was a nation founded on the fact that Jesus Christ was Lord. This is a nation founded on the principles of Jesus Christ. And the more we appreciate that, the more we're going to fight to keep it not just free, 
but to keep it Christian. That's our heritage. I was so appreciative of Franklin Graham's stand because he's not just standing that this nation stay free to worship. He's standing that this nation stay free to worship Jesus Christ, the, the heritage that was given to us by our forefathers. Now in 1620, when the pilgrims signed the Mayflower Compact, it was the only time in the history of this planet now when a group of free men got together and out of their own free will and choice, they decided that they were going to form a civil government in the name of Jesus. They didn't just form a free nation. They formed a nation in the name of Jesus, not in the name of everyone's individual supreme being. That's not what they formed. They formed a government in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, and that fact has been twisted so badly. But we need to come back and appreciate the heritage that's really ours. Now, when one of our forefathers said that we were not to mix church and state, it was not to keep Christianity out of the government. That's not what it was for. He stated very clearly that it was to keep the state from ruling in the matters of the church. See, they had come from England, and the Church of England was ruling and Christianity, and they wanted a place where Christianity wouldn't be ruled by the state. But see, that statement has in recent years been twisted and turned around completely backwards. Now, when God ordained this nation, it became living proof that it was possible for a society to be based on the Word of God. Not just the freedom of worship, but to be based on the Word of God. Now, this nation is unique, and when we realize and appreciate that, then our natural response is going to be to absolutely drop on our knees in thanksgiving every time we think about it. And appreciation is just going to start pouring out of us to the Father for what he's done. And that's going to keep us doing everything in our power to keep it that way. Now, if I'm not going to make the effort to check out the candidates that are running for office and vote my convictions, if I'm not going to make the effort to see to it that the candidates are Christians and that they're going to stand for Christian principles, then that is an automatic lack of appreciation for the privilege of living in this unique nation that God established to proclaim the gospel. Now, one of the ways that we show our appreciation is by not being ashamed to stand up and openly declare our roots. See, our roots, not just the freedom of religion, but these early American journals now prove that it's so much more than that, that our nation founded on the freedom to declare that Jesus Christ is Lord. And when we do that, when we're not ashamed of that, then what we're doing, we are appreciating God for that blessing. If just the Christians alone would just get militant in their appreciation, then it would change things and it would bring us back to the place where we need to be. Now, I like for us to think in terms of appreciation in the area of health. And many times we'll say, oh yes, Isaiah 53.6 talks about my health and my healing and I do appreciate the fact that by the stripes of Jesus I've been healed. But many times we don't really consider what that actually means. I want you to meditate on Psalm 129, verse 3. Every time I take that scripture and I allow it to come alive on the inside of me, appreciation just begins to flow up and out of me because of the health that God's given to us. Psalm 129, verse 3 says, The plowers plowed upon my back, and they lengthened their furrows. 
Now we can read past that and we can not pay any attention to what it's saying or we can stop and realize that that is a description of what Christ went through. If we've ever watched a farmer plow, you'll notice that that plow goes deep into the earth and then it literally lays the earth open, brings the soil up and out and leaves a deep groove. Okay, that's exactly what God was saying. That's what he was comparing uh, what Jesus went through. The plowers have plowed up on my back. In other words, that whip literally laid open Christ's back. And when we meditate on that, when we start to allow that to come alive on the inside of us, we're going to begin to appreciate anew the health that he bought for us at such a high price. Too often, I actively appreciate my health after symptoms come on my body. When symptoms come on my body and standing against them, that's when I start appreciating my health. But see, that kind of appreciation is much too short-sighted. And I keep going back to the word that the Lord gave me. Continuous appreciation for every good thing is what's going to close the door to the enemy and it's what's going to open the door to the blessings of God. That continuous appreciation for what Christ did when the plowers plowed on his back, that's what keeps the door open to hell and closed to the enemy. Now, continuous appreciation is an offensive spiritual weapon. And what it does, it keeps us fighting the enemy offensively instead of defensively. Do you know what the difference is between fighting offensively and defensively? If I'm running away from somebody and I'm hitting at them over my shoulder while I'm running, then I'm fighting defensively. And that's what we're doing many times after we're sick. We're just barely dragging along and by the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed. We're doing something by rote. And what we're doing, we're fighting defensively. But if we run toward the enemy, just exactly like David did when he ran toward the giant and hit that enemy head on, praising God continually for the health that he's given to us, then we're going to find that it's going to be the enemy that's on the run rather than for us to be constantly having to run from him. So as we're quoting that word excitedly and appreciatively for everything that he's doing for us, it truly will close the door to the enemy and open the door to the blessings of God. What about the area of deliverance? You know, almost every child of God that I know could give a testimony of how God has delivered them in one way or another from some oppression of the enemy. If we went down the row, I think every one of you would be able to name something that God has done in the area of deliverance in your life. After I was delivered from fears and torments, there were times when I would wake up in the mornings and I would just lie there just in appreciation for the awesomeness of God's deliverance. And I would just lie there saying, God, it is so wonderful to be at peace. It is so wonderful to just to feel this peace just flowing through my being. I would remember the mental agony and, and fears and, and I would remember what it felt like to long to escape out of that and then the panic of thinking there was no way to escape. And when I would remember all that, then all of a sudden I would just bask in the goodness of God and the reality of a God of deliverance. We serve a God of deliverance. In Psalm 91, he tells us to call upon him in our day of trouble and, and he'll deliver us. He tells us in Joel, Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be delivered. That's his promise to us. See, our appreciation should absolutely just soar at the thought of all we have to do is sincerely call upon the name of the Lord and he'll deliver us. Now, there's two kinds of memory. 
And this is important. And it's important enough for you to even write this down. There is a satanic memory recall where the enemy will recall the unpleasant things from our past. And he'll bring up all those old fears and all those dreads and we'll remember them to the point that they haunt our existence today. Okay, now that's satanic memory. And we need to take authority over that. We need to be set free from that. But there's another kind of memory which allows us to joyfully remember the hell out of which we were delivered. And it's good to remember what it was like before when we're appreciating the fact that we're no longer in that, when we're appreciating the fact that God has set us free. And that's the kind of memory now that can cause a godly appreciation now just to overtake us as we realize what God did for us simply because he loves us. I can remember now what it felt like to be in that kind of fear and that kind of agony. But those fears are not overtaking me now. I'm just remembering what it felt like and I'm rejoicing and appreciating the fact that I don't have to be in that anymore. And that's the kind of memory recall that allows you to appreciate what God's done. And we need to stay in a continual appreciation for that. Now we've talked about the neat little formula for worship that's found in Psalm 100 where we enter into his gates with thanksgiving and then on into his courts with praise. And then of course from there we go into it, the holy of holies into worship. Okay, just take the first step, entering into the gates of thanksgiving. Some people use that every day as their worship time. They start thanking God and then they start praising him and telling him how much they love him and then they enter into worship. And that's a wonderful way to do your prayer time each day. But practice your appreciation during your Thanksgiving time. When you start thanking God for these things, practice appreciation. Every time you thank him for something, just stop. And instead of just saying, Lord, I thank you for this and I thank you for that, and you're just going down your list, stop and meditate on that blessing until you come into an appreciation. Even if you don't finish the list, make you out a list. And as you start down that list, stop with each Thanksgiving and appreciate. Meditate until you appreciate. Now, let this be a time each morning when you practice your appreciation. That's how you're going to start coming into this kind of appreciation. Now, the Bible tells us that we're to honor and appreciate those that labor among us. Just in this church alone, you can, you can think about the staff, you can think about all the intercessors, you can think about the state school workers and the musicians and the staff of children's workers and nursery workers and the people who keep the grounds beautifully and, and youth ministries and ushers and greeters and ministries of help. You can just go down that list and stop on each one just to appreciate God and thanking God for each one of these people individually. We could go on and on in our list of things and people that we appreciate just right here in this church. And you can take that over and do the same thing in your family at home. And just stop and don't just thank God. Lord, I thank you for my children. I thank you for this and that. But stop and meditate until you allow that appreciation to come forth. See, too often we think that we're so busy that we don't really have time to stop and think of all the things and all the people that we appreciate. But if we knew the benefit of just doing that, the benefit that appreciation brings, we'd realize we, don't, we couldn't afford not to take the time to do it. Voicing genuine appreciation 
is going to close the door to the enemy, literally, and it's going to open the door to God's blessings. Now, many years ago, the Lord impressed me that every time I fill my car with gas, that he wanted me to voice out loud four different things. And it has literally changed my life in this area. I was supposed to, uh, to thank him that I have a car. I was supposed to thank him that I have the ability to drive a car. There are many people who don't have that ability. I was supposed to thank him for the availability of the gas. We could be in a place where we couldn't get gas no matter how much money we had. And then to thank him for the money to buy the gas. And I cannot tell you what that has done for me just to voice those four things out loud every time I start to fill the gas tank. You're going to find that many times you women, as you're loading the dishwasher or loading the washing machine, if you'll just stop and thank the Lord, have something where you go down the list and meditate on what it would be like without those things. You, I cannot tell you what that'll do to open the door to blessings and close the door to the enemy. Now, I'm going to mention one bad habit that I fall into at times that will dampen my appreciation if I'm not careful. And I call it a subtle dissatisfaction. Now, I'm going to use rain for an example because it's an easy one to see the dynamics. But back in the summer, we'd get a little bit of rain, and I would catch myself saying, oh, that rain was nice, but we sure need some more. And I realized that what I was doing, and there's nothing wrong with praying for more rain, but I was realizing that I was keeping a subtle dissatisfaction, that I wasn't really appreciating what I had. Now, you can apply those dynamics to anything. See, sometimes we're so worried about what we don't have or we didn't get quite as much as we needed, anything from rain to money to whatever, and we find ourselves then not appreciating what we do have. And see, dissatisfaction will crowd out appreciation where we're always wanting more or always wanting better. It's amazing what will take place in your life as you start appreciating God for whatever it is that you have, however little it might be, to start appreciating and meditating and loving God for that. And it's amazing how that's a springboard to take you on into the deeper things of God. Now, sometimes we're so busy correcting our children, disciplining our children. I know that's our responsibility. But sometimes we're so busy doing that that we forget to voice our appreciation. We're so busy looking at things that we need to train them or the things they're doing. And we don't realize that they don't have any way of knowing that we appreciate them unless they're either told or shown. Sometimes we can feel appreciation, but if we're not showing it or telling it, they don't have any way of knowing it. And I realized I do appreciate my children. I do appreciate my grandchildren. And I assume that they know how I feel. But see, they can't read my mind. And so many times they don't know it. And so the enemy has a way of seeing to it many times that they can feel unappreciative, unappreciated when that's really not the case. Now, I've been shocked at how much appreciation I felt through the years that I've never voiced. I want you to stop and think about how many times you appreciate maybe a mate or children or a friend, and you'll feel that appreciation, and even you may even be telling God how much you appreciate, and, but you fail to say it to that person. I guess many times I feel it so strongly that I just sort of assume that my husband and my children and my friends know it, but they're not going to know it unless we express it. Now, I want you to look at 1 Samuel chapter 6. 
because I can't think of anyone in the Bible that expressed appreciation more than King David did. And I want us to look at him for just a moment. David definitely had a proper attitude toward God. He appreciated God. He appreciated everything that God did for him. He appreciated God's Holy Spirit. When you read Psalm 51, he was begging the Lord not to take his Holy Spirit away from him when he had sinned. And so David walked in appreciation, and because he did, it showed up in his actions. Now I want you to look in 2 Samuel chapter 6, starting with verse 12. Now it was told King David, saying, The Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Eden and all that belongs to him on account of the Ark of the Covenant. And David went and he brought up the Ark of God from the house of Obed-Eden into the city of David with gladness. And so it was that when the bearers of the Ark of God had gone six paces, he sacrificed an ox and a fatling. And David was dancing before the Lord with all of his might, and David was wearing a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel were bringing up the ark of God with shouting and with the sound of a trumpet. Then it happened as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David that Michael, the daughter of Saul, looked out of the window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. Now the reason that Michael despised him is for what he was doing was because she didn't appreciate the presence of God. See, the Ark of the Covenant was the manifested presence of God, and she didn't appreciate the presence of God. She didn't understand that. She didn't understand David's appreciation for God, and she, she didn't know what was going on, and so it embarrassed her. She was embarrassed over what he was doing. She didn't understand why he was doing it. Now, this is, was foreign to her, and she lacked that element of appreciation that was inside of David. And what it did, it opened the door to the enemy and closed the door to blessing. Just exactly the opposite of what God intends. And so in verse 17, So they brought the ark of the Lord, and they set it in its place inside the tent, which David had pitched for it. And David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And when David had finished offering the burnt offerings and the peace offering, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts. Further, he distributed to all the people, to all the multitude of Israel, both to men and women, a cake of bread and of dates and one of raisins to each one. Then all the people departed each to his house. And when David returned to bless his household. Okay, now David's appreciation for the presence of God now showed up in his actions. And I want you to notice here. In verse 13, they hadn't even gone six paces when he stopped the whole procession and he said, okay, let's stop and let's offer up a sacrifice of thanksgiving to the Lord. See, he was so excited in his appreciation of God that he didn't even want to, to wait until they got to their destination. And I want you to look at the ways now in which his appreciation for God manifested. We find here in verse 13 that he danced before the Lord. That's one of the ways that he showed his appreciation. He danced with all of his might. We find in verse 15 that they started shouting. He started shouting and the people shouted with him. They shouted their appreciation to God. We find in verse 16 that because of his appreciation, he started leaping and dancing before God. In verse 17, he started offering more sacrifices in verse 18, 
because of the appreciation that he had for God down in his heart, he began to bless all of the people. We find in verse 19 that he started giving gifts to the people. As that appreciation came up, I mean, he just wanted to give to everybody around him. And then in verse 20, he also, then that appreciation made him want to go and bless his own household. Now, true appreciation is going to cause us to want to dance and shout and sing before the Lord. It's going to cause us to want to bless other people. It's going to cause us to want to give. It's going to cause us to want to offer sacrifices to God. Angela told this story when she got back from China. She said there was a man there who had one page out of a Bible, and he had been preaching out of that one page for 20 years. He appreciated God's word. And God had blessed him and honored him and had continually given him revelation out of that one page in the Bible because he appreciated what he had. And she said that she saw people who appreciated God's word so much that they actually risked their lives taking Bibles into the underground church. She talked to one guy and asked him why he did it. And he saw how all these people loved God. He saw the appreciation in them and it made him want to be a part of it. But I think about that where they risk their lives to take the Bibles in. And I thought about the fact that in our homes we have Bibles in every room. We have every translation you can imagine. But I thought how many times do we stop and really appreciate the fact that we have the Word of God. We've got the Word of God in practically every translation. But do we appreciate that? See, if we do, we're going to study it and we're going to put it into practice. Now another area of appreciation... God has created within each one of us some talents and some abilities and some godly traits. And yet so many people think of what they do as being insignificant and unimportant. And they really don't appreciate the fact that they're a part of the body of Christ and that the gift that they've been given is important in the body. See, we tend to see ourselves many times as a tiny little toe with not much purpose. And that's not pleasing to God. God's wanting us to begin to appreciate the abilities and the talents that he's placed on the inside of each one of us. See, God does not see those things as small. He doesn't look at things the way that we do. And he wants us to work on our self-image and see who we are in Christ Jesus and appreciate who we are in Christ Jesus and appreciate the fact that we do have something to offer. See, the Spirit of the, of the living God lives on the inside of each one of us. And the Holy Spirit is quickening our mortal bodies. And when we're seeking His help, then the work that we do is coming through the power of the Holy Spirit. So we need to quit putting ourselves down. And we need to start appreciating the fact that God is allowing us to be partners with Him. See, we're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And God is wanting us to appreciate that righteousness. Do you realize we could not enter into the gates of heaven? We could not enter in apart from that righteousness. But how many times do we stop and just meditate and appreciate the fact that God is within us, God is living in us, and that righteousness is working through us? I had a Sunday school teacher years ago named Dorothy Wetzel. And she had the unique ability of knowing just exactly when to write this sweet little note to different people. And I can't tell you, you know, how many times I would receive one of those little notes just exactly when I needed it. And I said something to her about what, how much it blessed me. And she said, well, that's the least I can do in the kingdom of God. But you know what? That wasn't least. 
You know, I personally knew many, many people who had been so blessed by those notes. Now, if you feel like the part that you play is insignificant, then I have a scripture that it can totally change your perspective. And I want you to turn to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. 1 Peter 1, verse 23. Sometimes, some time ago, I, it, when I was really young, I, I don't even know how old I was, but my grandmother said something to me that made this scripture come alive. I didn't even know that scripture existed at that time, but after she said it to me, then years later when I found the scripture, it just burst open for me. She had huge oak trees in her backyard. And when I was a little bitty, I loved to pick up all the acorns and fill little buckets full of acorns. And I remember that she came out one day and picked up one of those acorns. And she said that, did you know that, do you know what's on the inside of that acorn? And of course I didn't. And she said, one of those big oak trees is on the inside of that acorn. Well, of course I thought she was teasing me. But she explained that Every one of those acorns had a big oak tree inside of it, and if you planted it and took care of it, that, that a big oak tree would grow from it. As I got older and thought about that, I thought, you know, that's exactly what we are. We are just exactly like those acorns. And in verse 23, it says, For you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but you have been born by a seed that's imperishable. That is through the living and abiding word of God. Okay, now I want a new appreciation to explode on the inside of each one of us today of who we are in Christ Jesus. I want you to, to see this one more time. For you have been born again, not of a seed which is perishable. In your first birth, your natural birth, a tiny seed so tiny that it's not even visible to the naked eye, fertilized the egg, and then you were conceived in your mother's womb. And inside that natural seed, that seed that you couldn't even see with your natural eye, the total potential of your earthly father was there, his physical features, his character traits, and so forth. Now, my father was not even reared by his earthly father. He, he didn't really even know his father growing up. But after he was grown, people would tell him how much he looked and acted like his natural father. Now, it certainly wasn't from being with that father. See, that came from the seed from which he was born. Okay, now with that in mind, I want you to see that in the second birth, in our second birth, we have been born again from another seed, but this time it's a seed that's not perishable. It's a seed that's imperishable. It's a seed that is incorruptible an immortal seed, and it's the seed of God himself. I want that to soak in. I want us to develop an appreciation like we've never had before of the fact that this seed that's been planted on the inside of us is imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. See, when Mary was overshadowed by the Holy Spirit, God planted, the Holy Spirit planted within her womb the seed of God. And she brought forth the Son of God. Okay, in our second birth now, we are born again from the same incorruptible seed of God. Literally, the Holy Spirit overshadows us, and he doesn't plant it within our womb. He plants it within our spirit, the seed of God himself. 
And that seed contains all of the fullness of the Godhead. Now, just like the natural seed of a father now potentially has all of the traits of that father, I want us to see that the spiritual seed planted on the inside of us at our second birth, at our new birth, is the potential of all of the traits of God. See, we become a new creature in Christ Jesus at our second birth. God literally becomes our father because it's his seed within our spirit man. Now, we may not look like Jesus yet, but the potential is there. You know, in 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18, it says that we are being transformed into his image from glory to glory. It's kind of like that tiny baby may not look like his father at first, but as he continues to grow and as he continues to change, he finally comes to the place where he looks like his father. He's in his father's image. Okay, in the same way, we can take on the image of our father, and that's what it's talking about, that we can do this through the living and abiding word of God. See, the seed of God is alive. It's on the inside of us. And if we allow it to abide, then we can become all that that seed contains. And I want you to meditate on that. I want you to think about that. Now, I'm not saying that we're a God. I'm not saying we're equal to God. But we can become like him. The seed of the God of the universe, the fullness of the Godhead is potentially available to each one of us when we become born again. Now, it's not something that we deserve, but he chose to abide in us anyway. He chose for his Holy Spirit to overshadow us and plant the seed of God himself inside of us. And when that becomes a reality, we're not going to put ourselves down. That revelation is going to create within each one of us an appreciation for the awesome privilege of becoming God's child. What an awesome privilege. He put himself inside of us so that we can become like him and so that we can contribute to his kingdom. Now, we all have things to contribute, and that's what the parable of the talents is all about. You know, the master put something on the inside of each one of us, and that's what he's wanting us to do, to allow him to multiply that and to allow ourselves to become into the image of Christ until literally his life is flowing through us. The same power that raised Christ from the dead flowing through us. And the more we meditate on that, and meditate on who we are in Christ Jesus, the more we're going to appreciate the fact that the God of the universe is living on the inside of us. Father, I thank you that during this season of the year, I thank you, Lord, that you're going to create in each one of us a new appreciation for all the wonderful things that you've done for us. Lord, I thank you that as we learn to appreciate you, I thank you, Lord, you've shown me that it truly does open the door to blessings and close the door uh, to the enemy. Lord, I'm asking, Lord, that you'll help us to come into a new appreciation of the fact that you are a God of deliverance, that that you are our health, you're our healing, you're our deliverance, you're our protection, you're our provision, you're our salvation, you're everything. Lord, help us to come into a new appreciation of our family, our friends, our loved ones, a new appreciation of the body of Christ. Lord, help us to come into a a new appreciation, especially of the fact by your Holy Spirit, Lord, you have overshadowed us and you've planted within our spirit, man, 
the seed of the God of the universe. And everything is potentially there for us to be able from glory to glory to move into your image. Lord, we love you and we praise you and we thank you for that. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. Please share this teaching with anyone you think it would minister to. If you would like to listen to more in-depth teachings, please sign up for our Psalm 91 family at PeggyJoyceRuth.org.